0: And welcome back once again to the Endurance Hour podcast, episode 405-er, alongside Kona Coach and Ironman 70.3 World Championship qualifier for 2023, Wendy Mater. I bring that up because uh, the Ironman 70.3 World Championship is this weekend in Finland, and Wendy won't be there, and so we'll explain why that is. We've got some feedback from some of our listeners and some questions that may spur on some interesting conversations and learnings that we can pass on to you. Uh, but first, Wendy, we're at, uh, what are we in, August, end of August. Mm-hmm. We've got a special going on for people who want to get some training plans in their, in their bag for whether it's this year or next year. Can you kind of go over some of our, is it buy one, get one free? What's the, what's our special offer right now?
1: Right. So all our 70.3 and 140.6 plans from couch to beginner advanced as well as race specific plans that we sell on training peaks are 50% off if they use code T250 and that's a small T. Small T250, you enter that code at the checkout and you will get 50% off the listed price that you see on training peaks.
0: So they're full prices right now, but don't be discouraged that oh my gosh, I can't afford 150 bucks for a training plan which is really pennies, Um, but 50% off that with that code, little T two five zero at checkout, right? Yes. Now those are 70.3s and uh, 140.6s. And how does that work in the calendar in terms of back timing the date?
1: So I always recommend if you're going to purchase any plan on training peaks that you choose to load it on the date of the race. So, you will have the option to load it um, to start on whenever you want to start it, Or, but I think the best option is to load it to end on race date. And all our plans are created to end on a Sunday. So, if your race happens to be on a Saturday, the plan will load on a Sunday. You just have to modify that last week of training, which is no big deal. You're probably going to be making a little bit of modifications anyways.
0: And that's on Training Peaks. So you can get access to all of our plans by going to endurancehour.com. If you want to, be like, where do I find Wendy's training plans on Training Peaks? There's a direct link there, or you just type in Wendy Mater in the search bar for the coaches on TrainingPeaks.com.
1: And then after you purchase a plan, you should join our T2 Endurance Facebook group. That's where a lot of people will go to ask questions, um, just do some chit chat. That's a lot of. That's a place where we do get a lot of questions that we talk about on the podcast as well.
0: Over 700 members in the T2 Endurance Club on Facebook. It's a private group. That way, we make sure that we only have people who are interested in the sport, not just some people who are randomly stopping by and want to, you know, pop in there for no reason. So we have a request here. Um, James Thomas requested a actually three hours ago. He says, how'd you hear about the group? I say, how, how I asked him, how he, how, he says emails from Dave, what kind of events are you tr- interested in? He says triathlons, but he doesn't have a train peaks account yet, even though it's free. So he's getting emails from me, which I'm assuming is our newsletter that we send out twice a week. You can sign right. up for that on endurancehour.com. Right. Why two newsletters?
1: Well, on Monday's newsletters, just kind of a recap of all our partner discount codes that we have set up and then on Fridays is the recap of of the week. We include the podcast, we include some inspirational um, articles that either I post on my blog or that I find kind of that's current to the to the time of the year. And Very then uh, yeah.
0: 730 members now officially inside the group.
1: That went up quickly, I think. Yeah.
0: Well, you've been also um inside the group a lot in and um, accepting member requests. Yeah. That's good. Cool. So uh, this weekend is the 70.3 World Championship. Now, the last two years, they've held it in St. George, which is a challenging course in itself. I mean, they had it, I think I first went there in 2011 uh, or 12, maybe 10 to cover it when it was the mm-hmm. inaugural Ironman St. George. Yeah. Beautiful venue. I've been there a few times since. And then uh, it just became a favorite and what they call, you know, a fair course, an honest course, because it's actually, you know, it's a point to point swim to, you know, to T2, swim, and then you go down, you ride your bike to T2, and then you run and come back in downtown St. George. But this year it's in a new location. Now, Wendy was qualified and could have done this race. How Were you able to do this race, but you decided not to in Finland?
1: So in 2021, when there were still the Ironman virtual races going on, I had qualified virtually and and there were some some things you had to do to make it challenging and to kind of make it fair. I qualified for the St. George 70.3 World Championship in 2021. And so I was training for that as well as training for Ironman Florida, which is a couple months later at the, what I considered last minute, a few weeks notice, maybe only two weeks notice, it was not that much notice. We got an email that they had moved the women's race to a Friday event and they kept the men's race to a Saturday event. And for me, logistically, um, that wasn't gonna work for me. Cost more money to reserve at a venue for another day, change your flight, uh, rent a car. And I'm like, I don't want to invest any more money in this event. And so I decided I'm just going to defer, assuming at that point I could defer to St. George 2022, because we did know it was going to be at St. George the following year. And, you know, when all is said and done and I got the email to defer it, the only option I had was Finland. And so I just decided, you know, things could change. I may want to go to Finland. It's just, again, it's an expensive trip overseas. Finland's not necessarily a destination I've been wanting to go to, but yet I'm sure it's beautiful and I would have had a great time. And then it just so happens I couldn't have gone anyways because I broke my patella five months ago, so I wouldn't have right. been able to go anyways.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there would have been a cutoff prior for medical reasons, right? I mean, how can you, what do they do? Have you ever had to cancel because of a medical issue and go through that process?
1: You know, once before you, if if you buy insurance, okay, this is a time where I actually bought insurance for an event that again, happened to be in St. George. I was just going to do the St. George 70.3. It wasn't a world championship. And I think it was like in when it used to take place in May, sometime in Mar- late March, early April, um, I was riding my bike and I was just kind of coasting across the street on a road bike and my fork broke. And so I fell and, and something like a handlebar or something jabbed into my rib. So I ended up, um, breaking a rib, bruising a rib. I never got an x-ray. So because I had purchased insurance for this race, I just had to supply a a doctor's note to, um, I think I got a full refund. I don't even think I deferred. I think I got the refund Mm -hmm. because I had this insurance. Now with COVID and everything that happened with race cancellations and deferrals, Things have changed, and you have to read the fine print. I, I recommend when you're dealing with World, Triath- World Triathlon Corporation, you do read the fine print, which not many people read, because they make you now kind of sign off, making sure that you read the fine print, that this deferral only takes place for this one race, um, no other cancellations can happen. I'm not even sure if my medical would have been... If I would have been able to get a refund or defer my race because of all these, um all the fine print these days. They've changed a lot. Mm. Again, all because of COVID and all the things that they went through with all the deferrals and cancellations from 2020 and 2021. So make sure you read the fine print when you're thinking about doing a World Travel Corporation event.
0: I'll give you a little quiz here. Um if you need to ask me, I'd probably get a couple of these, but I'm not sure if I get half of them. Can you name Maybe half of the locations since 2006 of the Ironman 70.3 World Championship.
1: Um, I didn't know it was going on for that long, but I used to know it take it took place in Claremont, Florida.
0: Clearwater, Florida.
1: Clearwater, Florida, for for a long time. I mean, for a few years, I remember um, doing the one in Henderson, Nevada, and I believe that was 2011, and I think that's the first time they changed to Henderson that was the first venue change might have taken place there a couple times
0: yep three times
1: um three times in Henderson and then I believe at that point so we're looking at 2014 they started making it changing the venue to around the world so maybe they they traveled overseas somewhere and I don't remember where that venue took place after that
0: okay so they did do uh one two three different international locations can, and when they came back to the U.S., do you remember where it was?
1: Um, No. Was it St. George?
0: Nope. Chattanooga, Tennessee.
1: Oh, I did Chattanooga, Tennessee in 2017.
0: <laughs> that was the race. Yes. At least 2017, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, so I did Chattanooga. I forgot about that one. Yeah, so I moved <laughs> to Georgia in 2016, and so I was excited to qualify for the Chattanooga world championship because it was, you know, a two hour drive from where I live. Yeah. So yes, I did that one.
0: Okay. I'll back up Montreblant, Uh, Quebec was uh, after Henderson and then Austria. And then it went to Australia, Mooloolaba and then Chattanooga. And then in 2018, did you qualify after 2017 for future 70.3s? No. Okay. Then they went to South Africa
1: oh yeah okay and and one of the let me point out one of the reasons i didn't i wasn't even on my radar is because it it went back to being overseas and again for me you know do i really want to the expense of going to certain locations did i really have a desire to do that if i didn't then i then i didn't try to qualify
0: you know a lot of people in your shoes maybe that i mean not specifically in your shoes meaning uh with your experience why would you pass up an opportunity for a 7.3 world championship slot? I mean, yes, it's one of those once in a lifetime. Is it because you've been there, done that? What's the, why would you say, oh, not interested? Because other people would say, heck yeah, I'll go anywhere to participate and be a member of this exclusive category.
1: Um, I don't th- for me, it's not necessarily a matter of been there, done that. I, I was always striving to get to Kona and And invest my finances, hmm. desire, and energy to get to Kona and do the Ironman World Championship versus a seventy point three world championship. Okay. And a lot of that, a lot of that, for me, was just financial reasons. And so my goal was, I want to spend the money to go to Kona. I don't necessarily want to spend the money to go like to South Africa or other venues. So that was pretty much my reason. I think a world championship is really cool to go to even though right now it's a lot easier to qualify for a 70.3 world championship because people like me will turn it down. And so the roll down slots go fairly deep. Um, so some people could place 30th in their age group and get a roll down slot to a place like Finland, because it's difficult for people, especially in the United States to maybe travel to Finland. And so, um, and, and plus I've been there, you know, part of it is, yeah, I've been to a world championship before, so that could be an underlying cause as well.
0: But a and lot you, of it
1: for me was just the venue. I, certain venues I wanted to go to and certain venues. I didn't really need to.
0: Uh, and you've been to one, you qualify for more than one, but you've been to one 70.3 worlds.
1: I went to the one in Henderson in 2011 and Chattanooga in 2017. Okay. So two, yeah.
0: um, the year after South Africa, they went to Nice, France, which happens to be where the Ironman world championship mm-hmm. is being yeah. held this year. Yeah. And pop quiz, do you know when that one's being held this year? What month? September. Yes. Not October.
1: Men. Yeah. Yeah. September for the men and Nice, France was a definitely somewhere I wanted to go. But when I looked at the course profile, it wasn't a course profile, I wanted to ride my bike. It was a very mm. challenging bike course. Challenging the hill would have been great. I would have loved to climb the hill, I don't even know the name of it. But descending in switchbacks, mm. descending that type of course, I would, I'm would. i a competitive person. I didn't wanna go do it just to do, I wanted to go compete. And that was definitely not my strength by any means. Any down, Any long challenging downhill like that for me is a huge weakness of mine. And so again, I didn't wanna spend the money just to go do it, I'd rather spend the money and go compete and do it.
0: Got it. After France, it was in uh, Taupo, New Zealand, and then uh, a couple of years there in St. George, and now they're going to Finland. And last year's winner uh, for the women, Taylor Nib, and she happened to be third place the previous year. And then Daniela uh, Reef had won it one, two, three, four, five times the mm-hmm. seven-point-three world championship. Uh, the first woman to win the Ironman 70.3 was Samantha McGlone back in 2006, followed by Miranda oh. Carfrey, uh-huh. Joanna Zeiger, Julie Dibbins, J- Jody Swallow, um, Melissa Rollison, which was Melissa. Gosh, I changed her name. She got married. Uh, she was on the scene real hard. Oh, no, I'm thinking of Melissa Halsh- Halshitt, Halsh- Halshilt. That's who I'm thinking about. So maybe R- Rollins was different. Yeah, she was different. My bad. Um, then down the Yeah. Holly Lawrence won in 2016. So that was the, the women. Now the men's race is a little bit different because for 70.3, this coming weekend, uh, they're in two, two different days, right? Right. So women first men's second. And I got some numbers here on, uh, well, I also have the start list for the men and women, but, uh, ready for some more trivia on the yeah. men's 70.3, 2006, 2006, the first winner of that race who also came back and won it again five years later. Who might that be?
1: Craig Alexander. Yes. It was. Yes, it nice. was. See, yeah. I'm, I've been in the sport for a long time.
0: And that now, again, that was a um, Clearwater.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
0: Andy Potts won it. Uh, Terenzo Bazone, Michael Rayler a couple years, and then Craig came back and did it again in 2011. So he was a two-time 70.3 world champion and he's a three-time Ironman world champion. Sebastian Keenley. Javier Gomez, Jan Frededo, and then uh, those guys won it again a few years later. And then Christian Blumenfeld won it last year in St. George, just crushed it. And uh, so he's on the start line again this coming year. I'm not sure how much trivia I gave you right there, but um, some of the names for the women, at least the top five, Taylor Knit again, defending champion Paula Finley, Emma Pallant-Brown from Great Britain, Daniela Reif and Holly Lawrence, Jackie Herring's also, uh, on the list for the women. He's a former teammate of both me and Wendy's. And the men Christian Blumenfeld, Ben Canute, Gustav Eiden, Frederick Funk, and Mickey Tay Golt from Denmark. I'm saying that wrong. Sam Long from the US is
1: That's also good. on the
0: list. Lionel Sanders as well from, from Canada. So a couple of familiar names. And I'm looking over the, the list and I feel like, boy, I, this is what happens when you don't cover the race uh, in person much anymore. I see three or four names I recognize. Everyone else is the new wave yeah. of, you know, triathletes who are, you know, killing the game because there's they're 65 or almost over about 60 men on the list, and then how many women? Let me double check here. The women, women uh, over 50. Looks like there are over 50 women on the list too. Subject to change as always. Anyways, there's a little uh, preview of the Finland race, and you can see it by going to Ironman.com, and they're promoting that like crazy. So maybe we'll have something to talk about next week after the race is over.
1: Looking forward to it.
0: So Scott had some feedback uh, from last week's podcast. He goes, I love how you guys can provide suggestions that now seem so obvious. Eating breakfast at 6.30 after transition, bringing an empty water bottle on the run so you can fill it up with ice and water. I can't believe I never thought of those, but so glad I have you as a coach, best ideas ever. Now, Scott had a number of questions last week about um, the logistics of swim, bike and run and what to do if you come to a venue and he was saying, you know, 6.30 is when I get out of transition, but I'm not gonna be swimming until two hours later. What do I do in terms of nutrition? And so that was the follow up to that that question right there. Do you have the questions up in front of you, Wendy? I don't. Okay, uh, next up here, on the, uh, the follow-up questions, this is, um, from his race plan, his follow-up this questions. Is yeah. 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 Specific to the bike. And how do I know if I'm quote, pushing too hard during the ride and that will impact my run negatively? Let's do that one first and then I'll kind of follow up with more of his questions. How do you know so, when you're pushing too hard?
1: I mean, experience, number one experience, you know, there, even with my experience, I know I've had events in hindsight, where I've pushed too hard on the bike and it impacted my run. And it's either that intensity on the bike impacted my run or the intensity with inadequate nutrition at that intensity impacted my run. So you learn a lot with experience. And and I stress the importance of if you are someone who's training for a 70.3 or 140.6, trying to do those smaller races, sprints and Olympics, half marathons leading up um, to your main event. And so you learn by experience. Number two, if you're training with power on the bike, then you are going to know what kind of power you're trying to hold a steady power zone, usually in that 80 to 85% of your functional threshold power is what's adequate for a 70.3. The beginner is going to be on the lower end range, you know, closer to that 80%, whereas a more advanced athlete with experience is going to be more at that 85%, or, or, you know, or a little bit higher, a little bit lower. Again, that advanced athlete's going to have more experience to know. And so the idea is to try to hold that steady power. From a rate of perceived effort, you're going to be, again, the beginner should be at a rate of perceived effort at around a 5, 6, whereas a more advanced That's the lead athlete's going to be, you know, six, seven up to an eight for a 70.3 distance. And so it's important to monitor your effort. So if your goal is to hold, let's just say 200 Watts. And at that time during that race, 200 Watts is feeling like an RPE of eight. That's too much. You need to lower it and just go with the flow and go with the RPE effort. Um, Even if, if 200 Watts feels like an RPE of five, hold it. And don't don't try to do more and don't try to push it harder, especially in the beginning stages of an event, because you might hit some hills. And so, you know, there is going to be um, you're going to be on the higher end range when you're going uphill, you're going to be on the lower end range of your power when you're going downhill. But in, in the end, it's going to average out. And that's why we're looking at that normalized power number value. And hopefully, if, you, if you're if you able to stay in that range, you will be more successful on the run. Not a guarantee, because then there's the factors of hydration, nutrition, and all the fueling you're going to be doing, how much sleep you got the day before, what your taper plan was like the week or two leading up to the race. And so that's why experience goes a long way. You do the race, you keep track of of what you did, what your intention was, how you executed it, you learn from it, you make some changes on the next day. Uh, in the next season of training
0: experience yeah and i think the foundation of all of this is having a plan going in then you know if you're pushing too hard yeah there's some external factors like the mm-hmm. weather but if you have the plan of when you're going to you know fuel and hydrate then you know if you're pushing too hard you you already know so
1: right those, you practice it in training you practice yeah. it in training so you're going into this saying okay Look back at my training and see what I was successful with and what I wasn't.
0: Yeah, I think that's the only only reason you you would ever have doubt is if you're not following a plan. If you just threw your plan out the window, how do you know you're pushing too hard? Well, you're not following your plan. You're just kind of winging it, and that mm-hmm. will impact your run negatively. Good point. If you're outside those numbers that you have planned ahead with on with your coach, then you know.
1: Right. Exactly
0: a similar question about the run do i watch my pace and heart rate the first half i'm assuming this might be for 70.3 or the first 10 miles and stay within the range until the last 5k or do i or adjust based on how i feel after the first mile or so
1: so my guidelines for um the half marathon at the end of 56 miles is to really start off by effort and use that first, I like to break things up, so maybe instead of thinking 13 miles, you can think of, you know, four 5Ks plus a, an extra one mile at the end. And so that first 5K, just, you know, allow your body to kind of get their your running legs, ease into it, get a sense of the weather, get a sense of how well you hydrated and fueled on the bike, um, and, and just take your time in the first 5K. It's better to take your time the first 5K than to push it too much too soon, and then kind of you know fall off the wagon the last 5k and then once you kind of get that past that 5k mark you're going to know generally how you're feeling mm-hmm. and then either maybe bump it up or just hold the pace. if you're if you're feeling like this is a good effort this is you know glance at your watch this is a good pace i'm just going to hold it steady for another 5k bam you're you're about halfway done and then and then you adjust reset your mindset and say okay this first half marathon felt really comfortable. I have another gear and then, and then push it, you know, pick up the pace, that next 5K, and then you try to see if you can hold on the last 5K. And so I think effort's really important in a half marathon after 56 miles versus just doing a half marathon where you can really be more on a pace, you know, mindset. Because a pace, if, if depending on the terrain, the the pace is going to be affected by hills. And so you don't want to rely solely on pace. And you also, you know, you can rely on heart rate. You want to monitor your heart rate, but know your effort may be low while your heart rate's high because it's, you know, 100 degrees with 100% humidity or you're dehydrated or you're under fueled. And so uh, while heart rate is a good gauge of intensity, sometimes you just got to let that go and and just stick with effort. And so I think effort's so important, especially in a marathon or half marathon in a triathlon
0: boy mark that that's that's why you're the best coach that was uh, excellent i'm listening to that going yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and one other little thing i would bring in and again these are all dependent on what coach just talked about is um if you can stay within 20 seconds of your target pace above or below and stay within that consistent area then mm-hmm. everything will respond accordingly if you yeah. have these big peaks and valleys of your pace you're going to have a struggling time. If you're running at a 10 minute pace, one time you're running an eight minute pace, that's very inconsistent. If you can stay within nine, you know, let's say you're shooting for a nine minute pace, 920, 840, 910, 855, then you're consistent. And that means everything is working well. You're hydrating well, Weather's not affecting you too much. Again, that heart rate you said was, yeah, that's not really that much under your control when there's hydration issues and weather issues. Yep. This question from Ed, he says, I'm an an experienced triathlete, 10 Ironmans, plus 10 Ironmans. Congratulations. And he's looking for training plans. On training peaks, he says, I see plans for specific triathlons in the U.S., but I'm in Europe, it's hard for me to see what the difference between the plans is. Can you give any guidance on what plan to pick? He says here, I want to go hard and go for the podium. Please advise for both the 70.3 and full Ironman. One thing that surprised me, he says is that for an Ironman 70.3, I see the longest bike training of six hours. Is this correct? Now, is Ed talking about our plans or plans that he sees in general on training peaks?
1: Um, I'm gonna, I assumed he was talking about our plans and okay. I, I followed up with him because of course this, this depends on really what, even though he's done time Ironmans, has he followed a plan before? Has he been coached before? Does he have set training zones? And so, you know, our plans you can use intensity, RPE, heart rate, power, pace as your intensity zone, whatever is, you know, whatever you prefer. So after following up with him, he gave me some goal times or hit, no, he gave me some accurate times of his current swim, bike and run. And so I have a little more, you know, details on his, um, level as an athlete. And so at first I didn't understand the plans in the United States, but he, he, he was seeing when he was going to training peaks, he kept seeing, we have a 70.3 and an Ironman plan for about a dozen different events in the United States, but we also have a beginner advanced and couch two plans that aren't specific to any race site. And so for him as, as his experience, I advised him to maybe check out our advanced Ironman which is 12 weeks and our advanced 70.3, which is 12 weeks, even though they're not that long of programs, if you're choosing an advanced plan that's telling us you have experience and we tell you in a video at the beginning of each plan, what we assume your background is going into the plan with a certain amount of biking, running and swimming ability before you start the plan. And then, um, he had told me he had been coached before, but he wasn't interested in coaching. He just wanted to try something new. So hopefully he decides that he's, he's there and he wants to try out one of our plans. And I look forward to his feedback.
0: We do one more question here for this podcast. This is from Jason. I spent the last year training for a very hilly race on my road bike, but the race was canceled and I deferred to Ironman California, which is very flat. I'm wondering if I should get clip-on arrow bars for my road bike if it will make me that much faster, or if 10 weeks is enough time to get used to that riding position altogether. Any input is welcome from Jason.
1: Oh, what a great question. So yes, for a course like California, I believe the elevation gain over 112 miles is just a few hundred feet. So it's extremely flat. On an extremely flat course, I definitely recommend you you get on either a, a triathlon aero bike or you put clip-ons on your road bike. When you do that, be sure to get a proper professional bike fitter who knows what they're doing, because when they put the clip-ons, they're going to have to adjust the seat, fore and aft per position, maybe um, the height as well, and that should be enough to get you comfortable fairly quickly. And 10 weeks is plenty of time to adjust to a, a an arrow going from road to arrow. Um, and usually what I recommend for any athlete in that sport specificity, 8 to 12 weeks out from a race, make sure you're training on the bike and the position that you plan to race on because that's, that's plenty of time to get used to that.
0: 700 feet of elevation gain over 112 miles at Ironman California.
1: You're mm-hmm.
0: right. Very flat. Good questions. Uh, Wendy, last we talked on last week's podcast, you did a surprise. Well, you knew you were going to do it, or at least attempt to do it a triathlon after patellar surgery. You did it. How's the recovery this week?
1: Well, I did the race, I pushed the race. It was, you know, wanted to check off my 31st season since I started triathlon, so I checked that off. I felt strong. I felt elated when I crossed the finish line. I got that feeling that we all strive for when you finish a challenge and the fatigue and all that. And then probably four days after that race, um, I was just walking down my stairs and I popped my left knee, which is my good knee. And it kind of was a big negative in my life and brought me down pretty bad. Um, but then after, you know, been two weeks since that happened. I'm doing better, my knee pain. I know what causes it and I know how to, you know, move around to not make it hurt. And so it's doing better. Um, I think it's gonna, it's a case of patella tendonitis on my good leg from taking the majority of the stress for the last five months. And so I'm hoping with continued rest and ice that it will heal on its own. So I am doing better mentally and physically. I'm doing better.
0: And sometimes that, that mental part, isn't it? It's uh physical is one thing you can, you can, um, manipulate that. The mental part is kind of like do my, do your best, right? One and, cliche one day at a time.
1: Yeah. And the mental part was, um, So it happened on a Wednesday and then I was able to get into my physical therapist that following Monday. And so going to the physical therapist and kind of him doing various testing on my knee to rule out some of the major things like, like an ACL, MCL, meniscus, stuff like that. Saying, you know, you don't, you doesn't seem to be part of that. Plus I got the x-ray. I went to urgent care and and there's no, um, you can't see any type of fracture or anything. I thought maybe I would have had a hairline fracture or something. And so peace of mind, knowing that it's not. And again, if it continues to get worse, I'd go get the MRI. Right now, I feel good about the diagnosis and my recovery. So I'm, I'm not getting the MRI yet. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just still very, you know, slow with my movements, especially walking downstairs. <laughs> And in a way, you know, it's, it's causing my right leg to kind of take a little bit more stress, which is good because it's the right leg that's still very weak. It's still I did a measurement on my legs and it's still a good inch smaller than my left leg. So it's just taken a really long time to build muscle back up into that right leg more than I've ever more time than I ever imagined. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm pushing, you know, over 20, I'm pushing 21 weeks right now post surgery. And I'm like, usually a lot of the things you read online is that six months you're returning to your sport. Six months for me is in three weeks. And I had been, I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to get to six months. And I'm like, six months is three w- weeks away and I'm nowhere near running yet. And that's my sport right now. Wow.
0: Twenty-one weeks post surgery. It seems like it, it. I thought it was half that, or not twenty-one. That's wow, That's a lot of time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I keep track. I keep track because yeah. I'm just getting. You know, I'm like, oh, I just want to get to that six. This six weeks or six months part. But again, I know at six months, I'm not just. I'm like, and I'm not gonna go out and run in three weeks. I just don't have that, the muscle mass, obviously. I'm still an inch smaller on that leg. I don't have the stability yet all the time. I mean, it's getting stronger, and some days it feels more stable than others. But running, no, not so much. Hmm. Like, just the stability of of running and just reaching out with your leg and catching yourself on one leg. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm working on that. I have different types of movements that I'm working on, that movement pattern. I'm just It's just not happening as quickly as I thought it would. Those expectations um, <laughs> aren't, aren't, yes. aren't happening.
0: Yeah, because you know, I'm sure your mind is 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 sharp, but the body continues to age. All mm-hmm. of our bodies continue to age and things aren't as flexible. They don't bounce back as quickly. We don't have that 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 youth gene that says, okay, I can go all day, or hey, I'm one day of rest, I'm back at it. It's just, uh, yeah. I know it's a cliche, and I love this cliche, but Father Time, Mother Time, is undefeated. Yeah, uh, you can't win. You just have to do your best to to maintain and and hold it off. Yep. I think about that when you, even with with lifting. I was talking to a friend over dinner uh, last week, and you know, a couple we were hanging out with, and we went to dinner, and we were talking about when we were in our college days. And I, I was telling him about we were talking about VHS tapes and I still have some of these I need to digitize them mm-hmm. blah 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 and I, I told him I got these VH, VHS tapes of me in high school and they're dated because we used camcorders and it was a yeah. timestamp in 1990 I remember it and I was lifting this much weight and doing these kind of things and it's like boy that was when I was you know whatever it was ah, it, you know it's, it'd be so nice to be able to do it again but the body doesn't respond and he was saying the same thing with him it's like I couldn't even lift half of what I used to lift before. It's just not there. The um, only thing we can do is is to be active, stay active, mm-hmm. and keep stressing the body in a positive way physically. Um, and that, and you know, the, this episode is all about cliches. If you don't use it, you lose it. And right. I mean, I, I know relatives, uh, older relatives, who, um, you know, they're having a hard time walking. They're having a hard time bending over, you know, reaching for things. It's like, what? You stopped doing that years ago. You know, you can't expect to easily walk downstairs or step into your truck or whatever it is if you haven't done anything. And once it's gone, it seems to be gone. And the longer we can hold off this atrophy of physical ability, uh, we'll live longer and have a, a healthier, high quality life. And I think about that. And I'm 51, and I think about that and now. It's like, wow, 21 seems so long ago. Uh, in my mind, though, I'm—I know, I know everything. It's—it's it's still fresh. I have a young mind, and I'm sure you do too. You have a young mind. I—you have this experience that, oh, if I could—if I could have applied—if I could apply this mind to that body, how much better I'd be. But it's that—you uh, know—that bell curve of, the, or what that. Um, that that chart of one line goes up, one line goes down. Uh-huh. Try to maintain that that apex.
1: Right, and I think right now it's that that quality of life as you age. I don't want to be, you know, having to hold on to railings for the rest of my life, walking up and down stairs. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to have achy knees for the rest of my life. I I I've had it, you know, for the last five months, and I know mm-hmm. what that feels like I don't want that at all. Mm-hmm. I want my hips to be healthy, my back, my shoulders. I want my whole body to be healthy as I age. Again, that quality of life.
0: Yeah. Well, on that note, we'll finish today's podcast. Uh, we hope you have a uh, a good day. Thank you for listening to us wherever you are, in the car, on the bike, on the run. We appreciate you. This is episode 405. For Coach Wendy Mater. I'm Dave Erickson. Have a great week of racing training or recovery we'll see you next time adios
1: adios